The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. Fourteen twenty in the morning, 14 minutes and 20 seconds, where the sports talk to get you through your daily commute. Hot takes, recaps, best bets, and a little humor to get your day going in the right direction. Sit back, grab your coffee, and let's get into it. All right, 1420 in the morning for this fourth day of December 2023. Three weeks from now, Santa Claus is coming down your chimney with care. There we go for uh, the fourth day of December 2023. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by SeatGeek.com. The SeatGeek app, use promo code 1420pod at SeatGeek.com today and save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase over there at SeatGeek. Make for great stocking stuffers or holiday gift ideas over there at SeatGeek. Remember, we are part of the Belly Up Media Network. Go to BellyUpSports.com for all their great uh, articles and other podcasts. Make sure you check out Belly Up and Friends. Rising the charts over there on Spotify. Make sure you check out all the podcasts right there. All our friends at Belly Up are right there. One-stop shopping for uh, for all sports podcasts you need. Go and support uh, the indie podcasters. Everybody can listen to Mac, if you ever listen to Colin Cowherd or Stephen A. Smith or Michael Cable, listen to the indie guys once in a while. We uh, appreciate the support on a daily basis. And uh, thank you very much from everybody here at 1420 World Headquarters. We're in the middle of a, a transition phase here at World HQ. Two weeks from uh, now, we'll be uh, moving uh, locations, moving studios the whole bit. So bear with us as we won't be getting content out as much as we uh, would like to, but we'll uh, keep stuff flowing away as we are. Anyways, uh, another big, big weekend in the world of uh, sports, whether it be college, professional, or whatever it may be or amateur sports right across the, the country and across the globe but we'll start with the uh, college football it uh, drummed up some controversy yesterday there's no getting around that they uh, decided who was going to be in the final four you have michigan washington alabama and texas are in georgia and florida states out florida states the one that it's it's mind-boggling to me 13 and 0 in a power five conference they had some great wins uh throughout we'll get to those in half a second alabama somehow got in i'm not exactly sure how they got in but they did uh apparently you have to have an sec team in no matter what the money's too big i guess and the other way they travel and on and on and on which i don't understand because every team travels quite well at this time of year when their team is in but it's just uh, one of those things alabama uh they had a, a lost to Texas early. They're only lost on the season, obviously, but they had some pretty ugly wins. Texas A&M and uh, an ugly win against Arkansas. And then again, they shouldn't have won in the Iron Bowl two weeks ago a week and a half ago, whatever you want to say, uh, that they shouldn't have won against Auburn. Auburn kind of pissed that one away more than uh, than Alabama won that game. So he had three uh, three games that that Alabama did not show up for at all. And basically they uh, they got in because they won the SEC. And I understand the SEC is the SEC and they are the kings of uh, college football and everything else. But why play the games in the other in the other conferences? Then it doesn't make any sense to me why these uh, SEC teams get in year after year, no matter what. Most years they have an undefeated team like Georgia was for a couple of years were the powerhouse. They lost a very close game to this Alabama team on on uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon in the SEC championship game out there in Atlanta. But I don't see why uh, how a 13 and 0 team who also won the Power Conference had no uh, no blemishes on their record whatsoever. Yes, their quarterback is is hurt. They're not as good as a team right now as Alabama. But you can only uh, play. You can only beat who's in front of you. You can only do what you can with what with what you got. And that's a team that should have got in. There's no reason why Florida shouldn't have got in. They beat LSU early. Uh, Florida State. They uh, they they beat LSU. Uh, Clemson, who's on 
down, a bit of a down downhill spiral right now. And then in-state rival Florida, who's an SCC team, that they uh, they went and went, rolled through everybody, thirteen and zero, some big wins, some some close wins, but there was nothing uh, ugly about their about their schedule. Their schedule, I shouldn't say their schedule, but there was nothing um, ugly about their performance throughout the season. They didn't uh, escape barely. They didn't. Uh, they they rolled through everything else. They had some really huge wins, like I said. Whereas Alabama just kind of eked through through their through the whole thing. And the thing that kind of makes me laugh about this, and everybody who listens to the fourteen twenty podcast, they know I'm not a, a big ten apologist by any means. I think that's becoming more and more prevalent throughout the world of uh, of uh, sports talk radio, whether it be on podcast form or on radio. That a lot of people are seeing through the Big Ten for what it really is. Michigan, for some reason, they got a they, they were in no matter what with their twelve or thirteen and zero record. They beat a big Iowa team. Iowa, there's a scary force in college football. They beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Yes, they had the the, the win in the game last week against Ohio State. But after that, who does who did Michigan really beat? So why does Michigan get a, a free pass? Because they're just in the Big Ten, and then Florida State doesn't. Uh, that it just does not make a whole much sense. You think about some of the games that uh, that Michigan won this year. They had uh, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, and Purdue. Four, five games right there that anybody that. People in both conferences, all conferences are like, yeah, of course they're going to win those games. They have a powder puff schedule year in, year out. They even, they, they kick the crap out of a, a, a terrible Michigan State team this year as well. So now I've just named six games that they're going to win no matter what. They didn't, they don't play anybody. They play one game a year in the Big Ten. If no matter what, whoever wins the Big Ten and whoever wins the SEC, get in no matter what. Florida State got screwed. Florida State is probably a better team than Michigan. Michigan gets in because they are a Big Ten in the Big Ten Conference, which is extremely overrated in this podcaster's opinion. And I think that something's got to change. Yes, they're going to a 12-team 12, a 12, uh, 12 playoff next year, which is a, a lot overdue. But it's one of those things. I don't understand why Michigan got the free pass compared to – you look at their resume compared to Florida State's. Florida State's resume is way better than Michigan's, and Michigan was in no matter what. Nobody was talking about Michigan not getting in yesterday. Nobody was talking about Washington not getting in yesterday. It was Florida State, and Florida State got screwed. Florida State should be in over, I think, over uh, Alabama, and if you want to make the argument, they should also be in over Michigan, who gets a powder puff schedule and got in by playing nobody, which the Big Ten does year after year. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. Uh, anyways, the uh, b- the uh, baseball winter meetings they get going today uh, down there in uh, I think it's in Nashville this year. It don't much matter anyways where it's going on there. But the Otani sweepstakes obviously is the big news. It should come down uh, any day now. It could be happening right now as we're speaking here, fourteen uh, twenty in the morning on this uh, fourth day of December at ten oh six a.m. Uh, it's going to come down to what's going to who's going to. I don't even think it's going to pay the most money, but I think it's going to become a uh, a situation where Otani's just going to probably want to go to somewhere where he has a chance to win. I don't think uh, if he's going to be staying with the uh, Anaheim Angels, the California Angels of Anaheim or whatever they're called this week. Uh, I think if he was going to have signed there, he would probably would have signed there already, said I'm coming home. It would have been a done deal already. I, I still think that the Dodgers are the number one contender to get that. I talked about it a little bit yesterday when I did a, a quick little video, but for those listening on the podcast forum today, um, I think that the Dodgers are still probably the uh, the force to be reckoned with. He won't have to move uh, whatever, wherever he lives there in Los Angeles, in Southern California. And uh, the Sun, the, the money, the team are all contenders. That's all a big thing right now. The Jays have kind of have uh, found out that they uh, they or they're they're in, still in their running. Everybody's offering north of five hundred million dollars for the, for this guy. Uh, some people are talking six hundred million. I think that's a bit of an overpay for a guy who's not going to pitch next year. I would prorate that contract. I, I don't see why paying for uh, five hundred million dollars right now for a um 
for a DH doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me. I personally wouldn't do it. I would say we'll give you 40 this year and then 50, 60 next year, but I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you 500 million uh, right for, for this year coming up to be a DH. That makes zero sense to me. Uh, I don't know if the guy even has an outfielder's glove. Uh, he probably could figure out how to play the outfield, but you don't want to have a guy of that stature getting hurt. Cause he is a great pitcher, obviously, but he can't pitch this year because of Tommy John. Uh, just, I read before when I was doing some show prep here that uh, the Atlanta Braves have kind of, they've come into the fourth, front two of being a, a team that's uh, looking to sign Otani to, to join the the Rangers or oh, the Rangers dropped out sorry the Giants and the Cubs along with the Jays and along with the Angels and the Dodgers that the the the, uh, the Braves who made made a deal yesterday with the cheap it was really cheap and I, I picked Seattle a long time ago to get in there and to, to sign him but I didn't know how how really cheap that the Seattle Mariners really were I knew there was some fiscal restraints that they put on themselves for some reason but I didn't think that they were that cheap and now they got rid of us uh, some more parts last night with the trade with the Braves, and uh, now they're maybe looking at uh, going out and signing Blake Snell. But back to Otani, I, I think that he's going to probably just be a Dodger. I think it's going to be the way it goes. And maybe these conversations that he's having with these other other teams are just driving the price up because the Dodgers have nothing but money. If they have to pay six hundred million, they'll pay six hundred million, and that should put them over the top. You would think, but it's, it's come down to pitching. They've always been able. The Dodgers have always been able to score runs, but they just haven't got the pitching. But it, so it won't be a, a this year deal for Otani. It'll be more for for a next year deal if he can pitch, uh, and how how long that can last for so it's going to be interesting to see how much money the guy gets i personally wouldn't do it uh i i don't know if how uh, one guy like that can put you over the edge he's an all-time talent but you still need other guys around you the jays would be a better team with otani everybody would be a better team with otani there's no getting around that but you're, you're signing that uh paying that much money for a guy um doesn't make a bunch of sense on the field because you still have to fill out the rest of the roster right but off the field it makes nothing but sense the the, the, the jerseys and the ticket sales and la da 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 and the licensing and everything that you would make with an Otani signing obviously it makes a big a big big difference but I don't know how what how much I would invest in the guy uh if I'm a uh, a team that's kind of on the brink right now and another thing that made me laugh when I like the the Juan Soto trade apparently the Yankees have cut their talks with Soto now the Jays are in on the Soto talks as well the the the, the uh the uh, Padres with their their wonderful uh, brown pinstripe uniforms with the yellow trim, they uh, they apparently they wanted the world. They wanted up, upwards of six players and a couple of pitchers for Soto uh, from the Yankees. And uh, the Yankees basically, and I'm I'm kind of proud. I'm proud of Cashman to go out there and do that because he's a one and done guy. And Soto's not going to win you a, a championship next year out there in the Bronx. But now now the Jays are said to be in the uh, in the running to, to go out there and get that guy because maybe they're they're in for one of the other. It's kind of one of those deals to get either Otani or Soto. So you might as well say you're going out to get both of them. To make your fan base happy. Appease the fan base saying, yeah, we we gave it a shot. We're do what we could it could be just lip service they're not actually uh, really really in- intent on, on signing either of these guys or getting these guys on their team this year but I, I had to laugh when I read yesterday that uh, Alec Manoa was part of the trade package to uh, to San Diego like what kind of an incentive is that I'll trade you my my uh, my Corvette for a Volkswagen like it just doesn't make a bunch of sense where Manoa it might it would probably help him to get a different fan base a fan base that's not as uh, he wouldn't be in the eye as much in San Diego's as he was up here with the Jays but uh, it was just kind of a funny, like, we'll throw Manoa in. Well, thanks. A guy who didn't pitch last year, and when he did pitch, he was absolutely terrible, and it's said to be overweight with a bad attitude. Thanks for that in- input. Thanks for that in- input and that info and everything else. So uh, I, ho- I hope they get this deal done so we can, uh, once the Otani deal is done, you'll have a, a, a lot more guys getting signed. The, once the Usually once the first shoe drops, and they say, okay, this is what this guy's getting, then it can be, can be comparable to what everybody else is going to get throughout the world of professional baseball in the major league. So once the Otani si- signing is done, 
you're going to see a lot more guys moving as it as it is every year. But uh, I still think that the uh, I I wouldn't mind seeing him go to to Toronto. Just the uh, the increased uh, viewership, everything else that it would bring, and it would be a lot of a good talk for uh, sportscasters, uh, podcasters up here in uh, your your if you're for our friends down down south for your uh, friendly neighbors to the to the north to uh, get more people interested in the game of baseball. Uh, let's move into what everybody around here is uh, interested in: is the game of hockey. Uh, usually. I don't agree with everything that John Tortorella says, and I'm not a big Tortorella fan. But a lot of times he just says things to to, to say things. He doesn't take much um, he doesn't take much blame for his teams not being very good. He has a very short shelf life for most teams. He, he coaches. He goes in for two or three years. People get tired of him, and then they, they move on from him. But he does a pretty good job early on with wherever he goes. And over the weekend, I can't remember what day it was. It was Friday night or Thursday night. Uh, Garnet Hathaway, one of the uh, big big physical defensemen for the Flyers, he laid he laid out Luke Hughes. One of the huge boys, I think it was Luke. Yeah, Luke, the defenseman. He uh, laid a big hit on him on uh, the went in the boards. Uh, apparently, a, a play that I, for one, have to agree with Tortorella on this one. I didn't think it was a penalty at all. I thought it was just one of those situations where it was a, there was some contact, and because Hathaway is such a big, big guy, and, and he, those huge boys aren't. There was just the momentum that took uh, that took Hughes into the boards, and it looked it looked a lot worse than it was. And it was one of those things. It was a hit uh, 20, 30 years ago. We wouldn't even be talking about it here, but it's uh, one of those hits that um, that it was a result of. Kids not being able to take hits anymore, and a kid's not, uh, and then players not thinking that they're, they're going to get get hit anymore. And Hathaway's a big bruising guy who's made a, li- a, a good living playing in a, in a game with uh, with a, a different skill set now than what most people are used to. He's a big physical guy that that uh, doesn't mind throwing his weight around, and it's something that he did the other night. And now you have a, a bunch of uh, smaller skilled guys who are infiltrating the National Hockey League that don't know how to take a hit because they've never been hit throughout their uh, their uh, their amateur hockey career whether it be junior college or, or, or a minor hockey and the like. So now you have you have a guy that goes and throws his weight around and people don't like it. And then instantly, as soon as somebody gets hit, it's an automatic penalty. And I, and I didn't think it was even a penalty, let alone a five and a 10. I think he got for that and he was out of the game, but I didn't think it was a penalty at all. And I, I thought it was a very good at Tortorella to, to call out the league and say, they're trying to get away from hitting in the league. It's a, it's a contact game. We can't get rid of that. And then the other thing that he brought up was how, how come there's an automatic fight every time somebody lays a hit. The one thing that Nash Hockley can do very easily with that one is it's an instant 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 instigating penalty for the guy who inst- who instigates the fight after one of these big hits because every time there is a big hit the the, the guy who, who laid the hit he has to get drop the gloves and get in a fight for something he's just playing the game of hockey and i really like the way that tortorella he called out the nhl a little bit how they're trying to change the game without without saying they're changing the game and the game can't change it can't get away from hitting because if it gets get the hitting goes away it's going to be the ice the ice capades out there and it'll be nothing but, but a bunch of small um, kids who uh, don't know how to play the game the way the game is meant to be played the way that guys might vintage and a little bit older and even younger like like to see some big hits and uh, instead of just a bunch of uh guy highly skilled guys who go up and down the ice not really doing a whole bunch and it's going to uh really take away a uh a, a, a large faction of players uh, of uh got guys like hathaway who are big and strong and may not be, be as mobile and can't can't move as well and so you're going to get get those guys out of the game completely and i don't think that's the way the national hockey league can uh can do, go about doing things because uh no matter what no matter what you, you ever see a big hit you see some physicality 
physicality or you see some action or you see some fisticuffs, that's when the crowd really gets going. And, and you can't doubt that. Yeah, they like they love a big goal and everything else. But no matter what, when there's a big hit or a fight, people like that. And if they can get away, if they get away from that, you're going to lose a lot of people who watch the game of hockey. And the, the, the buildings are full, but I don't know what the, the, the ratings are like on TV. So you just have to watch what Nash Hockey is trying to do. And I, I like Tortorella's uh, comments. Like in the three and a half year history of this stupid podcast that we've been doing, we've been talking about uh, how the game isn't any better, uh, how it's just a lot different. And uh, th- that hit on Friday night, there was, it wasn't a penalty on uh, on Hughes, and uh, that's on, on Hathaway on the Hughes hit. So just my thoughts on that. It's one of those things you just don't like to see those guys being taken away. If you're if you're six foot five and above, you, if they take hitting away, you probably aren't playing in hash hockey. You got to try a different sport. There's not many sports for six foot five white guys unless you can shoot a basketball, right? And even even that, you got to be you got to be six ten, six eleven. So it's just one of those things. And it's not just white guys. It's 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 all it's it's all races and creeds and everything else. So I was just kind of cracking the joke here at 14 20 in the morning for this three three weeks away from the uh, the fat man coming down the chimney and here's a little speaking of the fat man coming down the chimney here's a word from our friends with some holiday gift ideas at SeatGeek. give santa and his elves a break from the grind this christmas season and ask for tickets from SeatGeek. SeatGeek has tickets for shows concerts and sporting events for around the globe and by using promo code 1420pod you'll save 20 dollars on tickets Tickets make for great stocking stuffers and gifts. So get go to SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app for all of your ticket needs this holiday season. And use promo code 1420POD today for your Christmas ticket. There we go, 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today. Save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase. Great stocking stuffer ideas and uh, just holiday ticket ideas. Uh, speaking of tickets, I, we, I didn't obviously pay for a ticket, but on uh, Saturday night, we we sat down here in the Yankee Tavern and we put the volume up to about nine on the old stereo and listened to and watched the Kiss final concert. Uh, it was it, it was just reminiscent, just uh, good reminiscing about days past gone by going to Kiss concert as a, as, a, as a young kid. Like I was like nine or 10 years old. I think it was my first one back in 1980. 83 or 84 or whatever year that was and then uh, the the first uh, incarnation of the kiss reunion tour 97 and then one of the final reunion tours and one of the final 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 ones but uh, that one on on saturday night paul couldn't hit the uh the high notes as much as as uh, as good, well as he used to be able to, but it was still entertaining. It was the same old kids show that we've grown up watching over the years, and it was good to uh, sit down here and have a few laughs and reminisce a little bit about the uh, about the days of Kiss. Now they're going to go to some AI stuff, and who's going to watch that? But anyways, let's get to birthdays and uh, on this. Uh, no, it's and a tip of the cap. Actually, let's do the tip of the cap first. Let's do. I uh, get into this. A fourteen twenty tip of the cap goes out to baseball Hall of Famer as of yesterday, contemporary uh, elect retire manager Jim Leland. Leland uh, Leland received fifteen to sixteen votes by the contemporary area committee and became the twenty third manager elected to the Hall of Fame. Leland was a uh, entertaining at times and controversial at times and a bit crusty at times, but who led the nineteen ninety seven Florida Marlins to a World Series title. He won seventeen hundred sixty nine games, a uh, regular season games, his twenty two year career. Leland is eighteenth on the career wins list. Uh, for wins, but second among those who never played in the major leagues since he was a minor leaguer, minor league catcher in the Tigers organization, but never got above double A, finishing his career with a 222 batting average. Leland was known to be a bit crusty at times, was ejected 73 times in his career with stops in Pittsburgh, Florida, one season in Colorado and Detroit, a 1420. 
Tip of the cap goes out to Baseball Hall of Famer Jim Leland. There's uh, Angel Hernandez getting rid of Jimmy Leland. Uh, he was an entertaining sort, that one. Uh, he was always funny, always uh, smoking, not always, but smoking cigarettes in the dugout kind of made me laugh, kind of reminded me of some old coaches and managers when I used to umpire years and years ago when it was, uh, I don't know if it was ex- ever accepted to smoke cigarettes in the in the, the dugout, but it was always uh, funny to see some guys do it. And I think you guys know who I'm talking about for those in the leopard area. So the tip of the cap goes to uh, Jim Leland. And happy 52nd birthday to former heavyweight champion of the world, Shannon Briggs. Briggs was born on this day in 1971 in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Briggs began boxing at the age of 17, training at the Star the Starrett City Boxing Club in Brooklyn. And in 1992, he became the United States amateur heavyweight champion. Uh, Briggs then moved on to professional ranks and won his first 25 fights as a pro uh, while being trained by the legendary trainer Teddy Atlas. Uh, Briggs got his uh, big chance, uh, his first uh, title on November 22nd, 19, 1997, when he fought George Foreman for the uh, the lineal title. The fight ended with a controversial note as Briggs uh, picked up the win by majority decision in a fight that saw Foreman land more punches and even broke Briggs's nose. Briggs then fought WBC heavyweight champion Lennox Lewis, and it didn't go very well for Briggs at all. He was knocked down for the third time in the fifth round, and the fight was stopped by shortly by a PKO. Briggs' got career record over his career was 60 wins, six losses, one draw, and one no contest. Happy birthday to uh, Shannon Briggs. Uh, Shannon the Cannon Briggs. He uh, he had a great career, but he was just at that point. Like, he was good, but not great. And then they had some great heavyweights back then. But uh, Shannon Briggs, he was a big dude. But uh, anyways, there's a sad note to that. To his birthday, uh, actually shares it the, the same day that his mom passed away from a heroin overdose when he was uh, he was a young kid. So his birthday is a bit bittersweet, I would think. But uh, anyways, happy birthday to Shannon Briggs. There's today's show for you, uh, 14.20 in the morning. It's uh, got lots going on, like I said. Things we're going to still, still keep putting stuff out there. Make sure you go to the 1420sportsbar.com and check out some articles and everything at 14. 20 related go to the uh, go to the shop and get yourself a t-shirt or a hat or whatever you want to do for the christmas season and get the uh you know, get things going right there it is monday morning we, uh, dave and i was talking some nfl football tonight obviously with uh, we do our uh, infamous list as jim calls it and we get to our, our reviews of uh f that team frauds and favorites because then i i think i know who my fraud team is they didn't fare too well against the san francisco 49ers yesterday so it was just a was just a bad game or not with the philadelphia eagles but uh, and the kansas city chiefs are frauds let's not uh, even with swifty in the building they couldn't get it done anyways it doesn't matter where you are it's who you're with have a good day folks and we'll talk to you tomorrow you just listened to the 1420 sports bar podcast four beer of the sports talk and a whole lot more we are part 